I'm Jeff Simon, the Executive Director of the Western Dakota Energy Association. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this uh, week here on the Crude Life Programming. And I love this time of year because uh, we get to uh, visit with uh, individuals like yourself. And I remember visiting with Vicki Steiner every year, too, uh, about your guys' annual meeting coming up. And I love the annual meetings because it kind of gives us a, a, a time to recap and then go ahead and use that information and look ahead at, you know, 2019 or the next year. So, uh, first of all, let, let's get some of the uh, information on where and when and just kind of some of those details on when is your guys' annual meeting coming up? All right, our annual meeting is uh, going to open at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, uh, November 7th, and um, it runs through uh, early afternoon on November 8th, Wednesday and Thursday, November 7th, 8th, and we are going to be at Four Bears Resort and Casino at Newtown. Oh, great. That should be fun. I mean, so people, they've got the gambling there and everything? Well, they do. If you uh, you choose to partake, you would have that opportunity, certainly. Well, you know, people coming in from out of town, you know, you got to offer some different entertainment. I was going to ask you, did some of these cities ever bid on you guys like, like a Super Bowl? Because I know it's been in Dickinson and Williston, and, you know, you, I know you guys try to uh, hit a new town all the time. Do, do any of the economic developers or anything bid on your chambers bid on you guys like a Super Bowl? Well, we don't, we don't exactly bid it. I mean, we, uh, we just kind of try to do our best to move it around a little bit. We were at Watford city in 2016 Dickinson last year, and you know, it was time to move North again. So we were looking for a location in the North and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Four Bears facility is uh, certainly large enough to accommodate us with uh, a small trade show. We've got a few exhibitors lined up and uh, probably, uh, you know, expect 100 or 125 folks to register for the meeting. Not large, but uh, a good-sized crowd. Yeah, but it's it's a crowd of, of, you know, experts. It's a crowd of veterans. It's a crowd of people that are, you know, in the industry. And quite honestly... Re- representing some pretty big players out in the box. And I, I've been to, uh, I think, three or four of the annual meetings. And so, you know, you're talking about, you know, a, g- a good number of, well, let's, we'll call it a wealth of information. So uh, w- the, one of the things that I really liked about uh, your guys' annual meeting, it's the Western Dakota Energy Association? Yes. Okay. Uh, some Sorry, sometimes I get it, uh, my, my, my acronyms mixed up, so is is the presenters um generally you guys are offering some really good information and then if you sometimes you even got a panel of uh some of the oil companies that sort of thing well what do you guys got planned this year in terms of maybe some themes or uh some speakers of note well i don't know that we have a theme necessarily but i tell you what jason i am really pleased with the way the uh, the agenda came together we've got uh, as you say some uh, some pretty high power high powered or influential folks in the industry the uh, the event is a day and a kind of a day and a half this year um we've it's the first time we've done that in a while just to give uh, you know give time to all the different topics and uh, I'll just give you a, a you know an opening of the first day here. We're going to start out uh, talking about truck permitting issues, movement of oversized trucks, and there's a lot of them out there in the Bakken, of course. Um, and there have been some issues with it, you know, about uh, you know whether uh, you know you stay on the state highway or you get pushed off on the county road sometimes. Um, so we'll have a little bit of a discussion about the issues that have surrounded the truck permitting system. Where uh, uh, we operate the uh, 
the system for the counties in the oil producing region, and we're now in the process of expanding that system statewide um, and uh, making some significant enhancements to it. Uh, we're going to have uh, a routable mapping system, so basically the trucking industry in western North Dakota and the, the entire state eventually will have uh, what we call a Google Maps for trucks. Um, trucks can't necessarily go everywhere that a car can, and, but this, this uh, mapping system is going to take them around some of those restricted areas if it's a narrow bridge or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so that'll open the conference, and then uh, the second half of the afternoon will be devoted to uh, gas capture and uh, some of the issues we've had with flaring. We're going to have a panel um, that includes folks from Oasis, One Oak, and Crestwood uh, talking about some of their investments in the state. Um, I mean, substantial investments in pipeline and gas processing infrastructure have been happening. Uh, we'll also have, uh, you know, an update from Justin Kringstad from the North Dakota Pipeline Authority looking forward to, you know, what we're going to need in terms of pipeline capacity to address some of these issues. Um, so that uh, that's kind of the afternoon where we'll, we'll, we'll uh, conclude it with uh, Brent Lonis, uh, who's uh, head of North Dakota, North Dakota Operations for Hess Corporation, uh, kind of giving a rundown on, um, you know, the latest research into leak detection technology to avoid uh, and prevent uh, some of the leaks, pipeline leaks that, uh, you know, have, have uh, unfortunately occurred. Um, technology can solve just about anything, and they're really looking at some promising new ideas. You know, the leak detention uh, detection is uh, very interesting because of the UAS industry, how those two are going to really work together. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if that's going to be discussed at your guys' conference or not, but I know that's, you know, that's coming down the line, that sort of thing, um, just marrying those two industries together so uh, leak detection can be seen from the 5,000-foot view, uh, so to speak. So uh, I wrote down the truck permitting system and the gas capture. I wanted to ask you a couple follow-up questions on that. Uh, of course, the trucks, you, you know, they're, they're extremely vital to the Bakken's um, economy, you know, whether it's getting the, the, the liquids there or the liquids out of there. And, you know, when I was in, out there in the western North Dakota, the, the muck roads were kind of making the news a little bit. Uh, they'd slide off, that sort of thing. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of those. Are, are those roads getting... getting um, I guess redone some of those some of those uh, roads that could just slide off when, when when it rains that sort of thing was that uh, in 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 this study at all I mean because some of those roads were a little bit out out of date does that make sense at all? Well, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a challenge. I mean, uh, you know, you look look at some of the some of the counties out there. Um, they're not just um, uh, maintaining existing roads or improving existing roads. In a lot of cases. Counties are still building roads, and the industry, in some cases, is contributing to that. Some of the, you know, in some cases, the industry has built its own roads to serve well pads. But it, you know, it's it's an ongoing uh, need for infrastructure. I've heard it kind of compared. You know, when you look at eastern North Dakota, those are farm to market roads, and the, you know the the construction of those roads occurred, you know, in the early part of the 20th century. You know, when the, when the North Dakota economy was just getting rolling. You know, from the days of from statehood forward but that never really uh happened in in western north dakota because there wasn't really a lot of cropland so you you know it, it was more uh rangeland for cattle and, and livestock and that and haying and that sort of thing so you don't have a lot of those farm to market roads so that's you know really kind of the situation in, in parts of western north dakota where the infrastructure is 
just now happening, uh, roads that uh, provide access to some of the more remote parts of the of the area. So um, I guess that, if that's an answer to the question, I'm not sure. But oh, I, I actually think it's a fantastic answer, it, and it really, really explains a lot because you're right, you know, the, the grain elevators and the, you know, the two-horse town type things, they had the roads set up back in the day, um, you know, whether it be from, you know, the wheel and buggy to the actual car. Um, and a lot of those places out in western North Dakota, yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember a few of those roads were compared to kind of some uh, timber roads up in the Black Hills. I mean, it was, you know, you needed a good four-wheel drive to get to a lot of those places. But as, you know, the Bakken is looking at a 20, 30, 40-year play, I could see where there's a very good case to say, hey, we need to have a road here for the next 40 years, so we got to put a little money into this. And yeah, yeah where well, that just wasn't the case before because we just didn't have, you know, it was all speculative oil and boom and bust and that type of thing. So very good answer. Very good answer. Um, it is kind of one of, the, one of those untold stories. People don't realize how many new miles of roads have been built uh, to service the oil industry to, to move this product to market. Yeah, and, and I think it's a testament, too, to say that there's a lot of faith and a lot of evidence to say that this is an industry now. This is not a... Like I said, a boom-bust type of a thing. No, this is this is an industry that's based on, you know, a, an oil price. And if they're drilling a million barrels a day at $30, like they did during the downturn, they've, they've got a few things figured out to at least keep the lifeline going um, during some of the downturn times. Um, uh, gas capture. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we, we know about the One Oak, and I think Oasis just opened their new plant yesterday. Um, yep. You know, we've got a lot of the bigger companies that are doing some some of the gas capture and the gas gathering. But are you guys getting into some of these science projects at all, some of these new innovations, you know, the ones that kind of show up to your well site and turn it into, a, I don't know, some kind of liquid gas right on site or whatever. You know, I call them science projects. Justin Kringstead calls them like value added. He gives the real name for them. But, you know, it's uh, do, are you guys getting into some of those um, ancillary type uh, companies or, or that side of things? Or is it mostly going to be focused on some of the, you know, larger percentage of the whole thing? Because, you know, the bigger companies make up about 90% of that gas gathering. So. Yeah, well, I certainly follow uh, industry efforts to you know to develop value-added projects. And uh, you know, recently, before the Oil and Gas Research Council, they uh, approved uh, uh, a study that will look into a potential storage of um, produced gas. Um, you know, injecting it into sandstone formations. You know, just because you know we don't have the processing and takeaway capacity, to, you know, the gas is just uh, it's coming on faster than the industry can build infrastructure to deal with it. And we do have gas capture targets. It's going to ratchet up to 88% uh, come November 1st. So, um, you know, there, there are some concerns about that, whether it would, you know, potentially uh, cause some ratcheting back of the oil production just because we can't manage the gas. And those targets are not going to change. 88% is is uh, going to be the target uh, from this point forward. So, um, you know, we talk about, you know, maybe, you know, more natural gas fire generation. And there have obviously been projects looking into, uh, you know, uh, using some of this natural gas to make fertilizer or uh, plastics. Um, the, the the problem is, you know, always, as always with that, we're, we're a long way from the market where it's going to be used. And that's, uh, that's really part of the issue here. But 
certainly, you know, we're two and a half BCF per day, that billion cubic feet of natural gas, and that is, a, is indeed a huge volume of natural gas, and that number is just going to continue to grow. Well, that's why I ask about the value added, because this is really their time to shine. Um, whether, you know, they got to beat their chest louder, they got to, you know, fine-tune oil profit, they, they're probably not going to use you. I mean, you know, but, but if you can show that you're making a profit or breaking even at least, you know, then they'll probably let your science project come and become a value-added thing. So uh, that's kind of why I bring it up that uh, it's, it, I, I don't know, I look at it like it's really their time to shine because, you know, these gas gathering plants, you know, you know some of them are a year out, two years out. You know, it's not a quick fix. It's, it's a long-term solution. Um, and we're kind of in that area of quick fix. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean the industry is open to any kind of innovation right now. If you've got a, if you've got an idea, uh, the industry is going to listen. You know, people don't uh, necessarily know. You know, we've got about one and a quarter million barrels of oil being produced every day in North Dakota. But um, when you process that gas, we also have four hundred thousand barrels of natural gas liquids coming out of the Bakken too. And um, you know, that's a that's a good commodity. That's uh, you know the the building block the of the plastics industry, the petrochemical industry, uh, a lot of value being generated here. If we can, you know, do that value added, if we can get to that next step, I think people would be thrilled with that. Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association, executive director on the line with us. A um, couple questions left here. Uh, we'll get into the sponsors and some of the people supporting the uh, annual meeting here in just a second. Uh, and that's, kind of what we're talking about using the annual meeting and kind of going out from there talking about, you know, 2018, some of the things that they're looking at and, you know, with the gas gathering projecting out a little bit, but um, you, you follow, you, you do quite a bit when it comes to uh, policy and uh, government relations and that sort of thing. Uh, what are some of the key topics right now that the listening audience should keep an eye on, you know, say the, the, the top three, uh, oil and gas related um, policy and kind of from the political side of things, what should people, you know, if they see a headline, what should they possibly click on the story to find out more? Cause it's going to impact the industry. I tell you what, Jason, that's an ideal segue into day two of our conference because uh, our annual meeting, that's, you know, a lot of the political talk is going to come up on, on day two. One of the, one of the biggest issues, probably the biggest issue with the industry right now is workforce because, you know, the industry can't grow, it can't, it can't function without people. So uh, on day two of the conference, we're going to have a workforce panel. Um, we're going to have uh, Daniel Stenberg from McKenzie County Economic Development in Watford City is going to be the uh, We'll have Paula Hickel, the job service uh, uh, manager from Williston. Pat Bertinoli from Nuvera, he's their HR man. And then Dr. John Miller from Williston State, who's very familiar with the uh, all the, the technical training programs, process plant technology, those sorts of things that are provided by uh, the, uh, the community colleges in North Dakota. Um, we also have an education funding panel, um, and that also plays into this. You know, uh, uh, we got to have good students coming out of the high school, but we got to have good schools to get good students. And um, then the morning concludes with an overview of what has been dubbed Operation Prairie Dog, and that is the uh, ongoing uh, funding to support communities that are impacted by energy development, which is going to be paired with, actually, um, an infrastructure component to fund development in non-oil counties as well. 
uh, kind of a package deal. And then the afternoon uh, is going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of forward-looking the industry and, and uh, uh, research projects, that sort of thing. And obviously we traditionally cap it off with Lynn Helm's overview of uh, kind of where, where we're at, where we're headed. The workforce, I think, is one of the more interesting parts about the Bakken because um, I've gone on record saying I, I think Western North Dakota is going to end up being an, a melting pot for for the area because, you know, a lot of these jobs that are available, they're, they're kind of specific. And you might need some sort of two-year or, you know, a, a certification training, that sort of thing, whether it be a something as simple as a CDL to maybe an art, artificial intelligence type of a certification and so, you know, they're, they're, it's not an easy, you know, the, the old roughneck might not be qualified for, you know, the new type of a well job is what I'm getting at. And so, you know, the, the jobs aren't getting, as, aren't getting filled as fast as, you know, a lot of people might, might think, you know, when you got 20,000 jobs in North Dakota or whatever. So I, what I see is um, some people from either out of state or even out of country that are coming over and get have those certifications and those specialized jobs and um, are going to end up there and and going to end up taking them out in uh, North Dakota. Have you guys thought about that at all? About you know who's going to fill those jobs out in North Dakota? Are they going to be North Dakota people? Is it going to be people from outside the state? And maybe my prediction of a melting pot might happen. Have you guys thought about that at all when it comes to workforce? Oh, you're you're absolutely right on. I mean, there aren't there aren't enough North Dakota people to fill the jobs. That's a, that's a big part of the recruitment process. Is you know uh, maintaining uh, the quality of life in our communities, and that's that's one of the things that uh, our members stress all the time. You know, if you're going to you you're going to have to recruit people to come to North Dakota. I mean, we try to you know encourage youth and provide opportunity for the youth here, but we just don't have enough people to do the work. So. Uh, Recruiting people uh, to to come here is uh, is a big part of the task, and that main that may, a big part of that is making sure our communities have a, a good quality of life, and a good quality of life sometimes requires a, a little bit of investment. That's that's part of my job is you know promoting that, uh, making sure that folks in North Dakota understand when you you know when you see uh, communities like Williston or Watford City build a recreation center, that's not an extravagance, that's a necessity. Those those types of facilities attract people. And um, that, that's part of the message that I try to deliver to, uh, to folks all around North Dakota. Well, that's a good transition into the prairie dog, um, which in, to me it looks like it's a kind of an uh, offshoot or a rebranding or a repackaging of, of the hub cities that, they, that, that was uh, kind of the push last year. And um, talk to me a little bit about that when it comes to the state and, you know, Western North Dakota trying to get money to help with the quality of life, really, at the end of the day. And, and it's difficult because it doesn't have the population when it, when it comes to votes and it comes to the, the state legislature and that sort of thing. So um, talk to me a little bit about that prairie dog and what, what's trying to be accomplished out there and you know getting some resources and a little bit of help from the state so that this quality of life can be at least you know, some assistance can be brought out there. Well, ongoing hub city funding is a uh, part of the uh, Operation Prairie Dog Bill. Um, that was actually just voted on the Energy Development and Transmission Committee just yesterday that they reaffirmed that uh, uh, continuing support will uh, will be coming to the hub cities, and that's essential because Williston, uh, Dickinson, 
those communities took on a lot of debt before the funding was really there to address those needs. So they've got to service that debt. They need uh, they need the income to maintain that quality of life. The bill itself is really kind of a it's kind of a package deal. Um, you know, um, it contains uh, you know a, a, a revision to the gross production tax distribution formula. I don't need to get into that. It's pretty complicated with a lot of the you know the buckets and that sort of thing. But you know the the big part of the the, the compromise the package. Is the is this uh, uh, infrastructure two infrastructure buckets actually for the non-oil counties, and that will include uh, actually some of the communities in the, in the western North Dakota as well. Those uh, that are are outside the top nine oil producing counties, but uh, you know all these communities have said, hey, we've got needs too, and um, so that's going to be part of this package. There'll be a hundred and fifty million dollar bucket that will be uh, distributed among cities in North Dakota. And another 115 million dollar bucket that will be distributed among counties and townships. Uh, so, uh, and uh, legislative leaders have said they want to get that out early in the legislative session before uh, before crossover. And uh, that would that would be a wonderful thing. I think it's, uh, there's just a, a lot of support for the for the deal that came together. I remember back, and I think it was 2014 or 2015, the. Um uh, Western Dakota Energy Association. Uh, back then, it had a different name, but the annual meeting in Dickinson. And I'll never forget, uh, then Mayor uh, Dennis Johnson, he got up in front of everybody and he said, Dickinson was debt-free last year. Now we got $100 million in debt. I mean, he was just, he was completely blown away how quickly the debt came on when, you know, the, the energy industry came. And so I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, there's, there was a significant amount of debt with a lot of cities that really never dealt with the debt because they balanced their books pretty well up until then. And um, so this was, like you say, necessity, is that's what I'm getting at, is it's kind of a long way to say it was a necessity for a lot of these people. I mean, I remember when Dickinson couldn't put another house there because they, they just ran out of sewage space or water space. They had to get a new treatment plant done, and and that's the way a lot of these communities were. Is they just you know in order to have more population, you got to provide them water and sewer and streets and police and everything else. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, sponsors and and um, you know kind of who's who's involved with this year, um, you know kind of helping you guys uh, uh, get this thing going. So who's sponsoring the uh, annual meeting this year? Well, the, uh, the unique thing about our sponsorship is uh, it's kind of a win-win because uh, the revenue from th- that is generated by sponsor dollars actually we put into a scholarship fund, and um, we are uh, offering five $1,000 scholarships this year, you know, based upon the sponsor revenue. Um, the uh, the sponsors we have to this point, uh, Dawa Solutions, which uh, does our web service, uh, Williston, Jeff Zarling, and his folks are, are going to be there. Uh, Vision West, Deb Nelson, and all the good work that they do with Vision West North Dakota is going to be there. Um, Jeff Cummer and Mineral Tracker folks are going to, to have a booth as well. Mineral Tracker, I don't know if you know, is a, is kind of a, a way for folks to keep track of, uh, of the royalty payments and the deductions and that sort of thing. And they're offering that service to local governments as well. So uh, Jeff Cummer is actually going to make a, a little bit of a presentation during our opening evening social. The Wilson Basin, the eight, or the Wilson chapter of, uh, of API is, uh, is among the sponsors. AE2S Nexus, they've done a lot of the financial research for us. They're uh, they're among the sponsors as well. Uh, One Oak is going to be uh, represented. 
Uh, we'll also have Rose Engineering and the Upper Great Plains Transportation Institute, the folks that uh, kind of help us uh, identify road needs out there. So pretty, pretty good, uh, diverse group of folks that you'll be able to talk to among the exhibitors at the event. Yeah, and uh, and once again, the details for the, the, the date and the times and the location and everything? The, uh, the event is November 7th and 8th. We open at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, November 7th. Um, we'll have a social that evening, but it's uh, it's going to be at Four Bears uh, Resort and Casino, which is uh, just west of Newstown. You uh, you cross the, the Four Bears Bridge, and uh, there you go. There's the Four Bear Event Center. And it's a day and a half, so there's there's a opportunity for people to spend the night and do some networking after hours too, huh? Absolutely, yeah. We do have discounted uh, rates at uh, at Four Bears. Just uh, tell them you're uh, attending the uh, Western North Dakota Energy Conference, and you'll get a discounted rate booking a room there for the evening of November seventh. Yeah, and I'm not downplaying the you know the annual meeting, but sometimes you can you can. Sometimes you yeah, it's been known to happen. You're right. So, uh, Mr. Jeff Simon, anything that we forgot, anything you want to reiterate, uh, anything like that? I'll kind of give you the final word and, and thoughts here as we kind of conclude. Go ahead. Yes, one quick thing. We're going to open the day on Thursday with, an, with a recap of the election. These dates fall right after the November 6th election. So Shane Gettle with uh, Odney is going to provide us an overview. Shane's a, a national committee man and a very astute about politics. He's going to tell us what what all happened on November 6th and what it means going forward. Uh, Shane Gettle, former Commerce Commissioner, correct? That's the man. You're well, right. Yeah, well, his, his background, he'll be able to know how to integrate that in with the uh, state and with the private and everything like that. So that'll be a good presentation. Yeah, looking forward to his analysis. All right. Well, that's all I got today, sir. Thank you much. All right. Thanks, Jason. You bet. Thanks a lot.